Wow. So we arrived this morning feeling upbeat and excited and happy to see each other on a gorgeous spring morning. We received our palms and we sang Hosanna in the highest. And then within about 30 short minutes, we are a sad and morose bunch. We went from Hosanna to crucify him in nothing flat. The gospel reading today is long, and for the kids in the pews this morning, and for some of you with a shorter attention span, I know it can seem like an eternity, so I'll make this time here at the pulpit brief this morning. But I actually love that we spend time with this lengthy reading once a year. It takes on a sort of meditative quality as we read it together. We aren't just hearing the words of the story of Jesus's last days and hours, but we're actually internalizing it and journeying together through the passion of Christ. There's so much in here, so much detail, so that we might better understand, so much emotion, so that we might better feel. But there's one phrase that sticks out for me in this morning's reading, and it comes just after Judas has betrayed Jesus with a kiss, which is his signal to the club-wielding crowd that they've found their man. They grab Jesus and arrest him, and in the chaos, somebody cuts off the ear of another man, and Jesus, who was wanting nothing to do with violence ever, says, what are you doing? You've had ample opportunity to arrest me. You've had ample time to find me where I was teaching in the temple day after day. Why now? Why do you come to me now with swords and clubs and violence? No one answers. And then this, verse 50, it's the line that just gets me. The devastating loneliness of this line. All of them deserted him and fled. And I know many, if not all of you, have had moments in your life where you felt deserted. It doesn't take much at all for us, just for a moment, to enter into the sorrow of that loneliness that Jesus must have felt. Jesus, fully human, was a relational man. He sought companionship and friendship. He showed compassion to everyone. And in return, he no doubt wanted the same for himself. You can hear it in the words that he says to his disciples in the garden at Gethsemane when they just couldn't stay awake despite Jesus' pleas to do so. He had asked them to be with him. He told them, I am deeply grieved, even to death. Remain here, he said, and keep awake. And then Jesus throws himself on the ground and pours himself out in prayer. He begs God, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus is racked with pain and despair. And when he turns to his friends who's, who he has invited in to sit with him, in this hour of darkness, he finds them sleeping. Jesus begs them to stay awake. Don't leave me alone, he says. 
He's not asking for heroics here. He's simply asking his friends, just stay awake. Just be with me. And they can't. Not that they don't try, not that they don't want to. We would all like to think that we could stay awake, that we wouldn't betray, that we wouldn't deny, that we wouldn't flee. One of my favorite theologians writes that Jesus' agony in the garden is many things, but first of all, it is Jesus' entry into the darkest black hole of human existence, the black hole of bitter misunderstanding, rejection, aloneness, loneliness, humiliation, and the helplessness to do anything about it. That's the kind of black hole that drives you to your knees. As the disciples slept, as Peter denied Jesus three times, as the people who had witnessed Jesus' miracles and been the recipients of his grace all turned their faces and hid their voices one after another after another, Jesus was left totally, utterly alone. And notice that what the gospel writers focus on here is not the scourging, not the pain, not the ropes or the nails or the physical pain. What the gospel writers focus on here is the loneliness that Jesus must have felt. The belittling, the isolation. Jesus is totally without support is the message they are sending us. The Gospels tell us about an agony of the heart, a heart that was gentle and warm and loving and sensitive, a heart that was inviting and hungry to embrace all people, but for some inexplicable reason, finds itself abandoned, brutalized, hated, and facing an angry crowd shouting, crucify him, crucify him. And still, he loves and forgives. How? Why? How did Jesus continue to love even as people abandoned him? Because God never abandoned him. That's why. That's how. And let's consider that for just a minute because in light of the words that Jesus uttered on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We know that he feels that God is not there. Those are hard words for us to comprehend. But even then, we know that God was with him. God was with him in the very design of those moments in history. It's true that Jesus didn't derive any comfort there on the cross, but God never left him. How could he when it was God hanging? on the cross. God was always with him. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. I want to recall for some of you um, the story of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Some of you may know Bonhoeffer. He was a Lutheran pastor and he was very active uh, in the early days of the Nazi movement. He was one of the German resistors of the Nazi Germany. He was a very young pastor, 
young and wise beyond his years. He saw what many people could not yet see in the early days of the Nazis. Two days after Hitler's election as chancellor in 1933, Bonhoeffer made a radio broadcast criticizing Hitler. And the radio broadcast was cut off midair. Crucify him, crucify him. In April that same year, Bonhoeffer drew attention to the persecution of the Jews that was happening, and he argued that the church had a responsibility to act against it. He fought to keep Nazi ideology from poisoning the church. Shortly thereafter, he had his authorization to teach revoked. He was denounced as a pacifist and an enemy of the state. And as the Nazi control of the country intensified, the seminary that he had founded was closed down. Crucify him. Crucify him. Bonhoeffer did leave Germany and came to the United States for safety, but after less, less than two years, he returned to Germany because he felt guilty for seeking sanctuary and not having the courage to practice what he preached. And as soon as he returned to Germany, Bonhoeffer was denied the right to speak in public or to write articles or publish anything of any kind. Crucify him, crucify him. He was eventually arrested for helping German Jews escape into Switzerland. He was moved to a maximum security prison, then to a concentration camp, and eventually sentenced to death by hanging at age 39. Crucify him, crucify him. The doctor who witnessed the execution of Bonhoeffer later wrote these words. I saw Pastor Bonhoeffer kneeling on the floor, praying fervently to God. I was most deeply moved by the way this lovable man prayed, so devout and so certain that God heard his prayer. At the place of execution, the doctor goes on, he again said a short prayer and then climbed the few steps to the gallows, brave and composed. His death ensued after a few seconds. In the almost 50 years that I worked as a doctor, I have hardly ever seen a man die so entirely submissive to the will of God. For those of you hunkered down today, identifying the cross, identifying with the cross in your own agonizing ways, I can't help but believe that Jesus has an eye on you specifically. Who better to understand the cross than the one who chose it? Who better to hold us close in our loneliness than the one who was deserted in his? Nobody, not one human being on earth knows your pain like Jesus. Just days after welcoming Jesus into the city with cheers and celebration, with joyful expectations, he is all alone. His people left him turned their backs on him, even the sky went dark. Hope was lost. It was a day of the cross, not yet a day of the tomb. In life, we have our Hosanna moments. We parade into the party with joyful anticipation and celebration. 
And we are also at times confronted with the shouts of blame and judgment and false accusations and things that hurt when nobody's looking. But Sunday is coming. New life is always possible, well past the moment that it makes sense to keep hoping for it. So my prayer is that no matter what we may be experiencing, we can draw on our belief that something new is about to be revealed. The light of dawn is about to shine, and with it, a whole new beginning. So I invite you to take the pain and the sorrow of your loneliness or your isolation, your rejection, your bitterness. Take that and go away rejoicing anyway. Go away rejoicing knowing that even when we are alone, we are never truly alone. God will be with us and is with us even now. Amen. Let us pray.